Welcome to the Starfire Codes podcast, where we discuss metaphysics, survival, the media, and the truth. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Pitchell. We're here today with Brendan D. Murphy. Brendan D. Murphy is the consciousness guy, host of the popular Truthiverse podcast, and author of the epic The Grand Illusion, a synthesis of science and spirituality, book one. He's also the founder of Truthiversity, the consciousness-raising university. This is a one-of-a-kind multimedia learning portal for awake and discerning minds. Brendan D. Murphy, part one. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Thanks for coming on and thanks for talking with us. Thanks, Amy. It is my distinct pleasure to join you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I, I wanted to start out, uh, let's talk about your, your recent article on, uh, on negative entity removal. Can you, can you give us a rundown of, of uh, what, you were, what you were looking at there and what you were studying and, and you know, um, the, uh, the different um, ins and outs of that? Because that was a really interesting topic to hit on. Um, yeah, I mean, we can go wherever you want to go with it. Uh, basically, you know, I started out talking about the research done by a guy called Dr. William Baldwin, who <clears throat> was orig originally a dentist by training, and he somehow got into this work regarding hypnosis and regression and this spirit attachment thing, entity attachment thing. Um, so all the way back in 1982, that was when he learned uh, hypnodontics, dental hypnosis, uh, which he was using to, you know, for dental procedures, like to minimize fear of the needle and that kind of stuff. Um, but he, they did an advanced hypnosis workshop and he actually experienced himself in a prior lifetime. So that was kind of like this pivotal turning point for him where he, he never was able to proceed in the same direction again. So he got, got off on this sidetrack about um, attached entities. And that was kind of where I kicked off the article. And he basically, what he found was, um, <clears throat> I can give you a quote here. So from his book, he says, Phys physical and emotional trauma can act, apparently cause loss of soul fragments and such trauma and the lost soul fragment can be discovered in this lifetime or even an earlier lifetime and past life therapy can assist healing the condition. The techniques used to locate the source of a current problem can also lead to the discovery of an attached entity causing the problem. This also can involve present or former timelines or lifetimes and the entity or entities are carefully and permanently released to the light. So uh, that's kind of how it kicks off. So when you were talking about this, you're also talking about the way in which we perceive time and, and how that affects this, because, you know, we see time as linear, but all of this is happening simultaneously. So um, so how did he kind of sort through that and, and make sense of that? Well, I have to I have to quickly scan through the article to see how he was kind of grappling with it. But basically, I mean, what he found was that these soul fragments, they don't necessarily fit the idea of linear time. And we have this kind of these it's almost like you have to take kind of like a multiverse kind of a view of things to to be able to incorporate, um, you know, how does a, a soul fragment get stuck in a past life, but still cause you problems here in this lifetime. Um, so. I don't know that he necessarily um, solved all the problems, but this is these are some of the ideas that he was bumping up against in, in the work that he was doing with the, the stuff that he was finding. The information he was getting from people um, forced him to have to look at time in a very different kind of a way. Absolutely. And and the way that, that even we look at trauma and the way that we look at soul fragments and, and um and you know psyche fragments and the way that we split apart it's very similar to that you know um if there's enough trauma that occurs then then eventually there become splits and fragments and and um 
and the goal would be to you know either allow those fragments to coexist or to reintegrate those fragments so if we look at that and, and we know that we are you know um all fragments of the same consciousness anyway um we can we can see that you know um there's a possibility that we may have split apart due to some form of of trauma um has he touched on that or did he get into you know that as far as you know how these negative entity attachments um come about yeah well regarding the the trauma thing uh let me just see if i can find a quote for you here uh, basically you know he's sort of working along the lines of what you're saying so you know we have a moment uh, an event that splits that causes that sort of dissociation and then this part of us in that moment gets effectively it gets stuck in its own timeline parallel timeline so it in its psychological realm things stay exactly the same as they were at that moment and it, it can't move forward sort of with you you know the arrow of time stops for that part of you and it's stuck there whereas and you keep moving forward so you end up with these you know potentially many many different fragments of yourself split off and, and stuck in various moments of time of, of your timeline uh, and yes then you really at some point you need to start working with the trauma and, and go back and start uh, reintegrating reintegrating them otherwise they become uh, ongoing problems it's interesting to think about this in terms of also, you know, um, viewing ghosts and the paranormal as like echoes of, of fragmentation of something traumatic that happened and left sort of an energetic signature behind and um, and, and left it in, in, in a place like an imprint or something like that, that people um, perceive who, you know, are in that same space, but not the same time, you know, necessarily the way we perceive time as the, uh, the fragment or the echo that's that's coming through the space. Yeah, that's right. And so you can end up with, you know, this kind of like haunting phenomenon or, or poltergeist-like phenomenon where somehow there is this kind of coupling between that moment in time, which still exists in the same space that you're in. So it's like a freeze frame uh, superimposed on on where you are here and now. Um, so the two, the two moments in time sort of coexist and then you get this weird effect of activity from the past moment, which exists in the same space, kind of bleeding into um your space so you can yeah have these weird and people people might think they're haunted um or, or what have you uh, but it may it may just be some kind of like an echo of the past that's stuck on a loop or you know some some part of someone's psyche that is <clears throat> stuck in this moment in time and and there's um, you know we don't have necessarily a fantastic physics model to you know explaining the, the mechanics of this but there's crosstalk between the two sort of parallel dimensions and then yeah, you get these weird effects, which may sound, seem like a haunting or may, you know, we have hauntings as well. But uh, I think it's a similar concept if you break it down like that. Yeah. And and even the way that, you know, people um, talk about the way that they've perceived those hauntings or visitations or whatever, a lot of people say that it's a certain event that happens at a certain time on a loop. So they'll mm. see like the same energy come through or feel the same energy come through and it'll be like at the same time or, you know, um, within the same time span of, of whatever event that happened that that left some sort of echo there, whether it was um, an emotional imprint or some kind of electrical imprint that, you know, depending upon the um, the equipment that they're attempting to use to measure or whatever it is and, and whatever they're deciding to test out. Um, it, it's something that that keeps looping over and over in in time as as we would perceive time 
And, you know, um, who knows how that connects with, with our perception of time versus um, the fragments perception of time, if it still has a perception of time, if it's like disconnected from whatever that is, you know, who knows, but that's what they're seeing is this looping pattern. Yeah, yeah, and it does, it does show up like that. Um, you know, there might be sort of correlations with planetary movement, um, relationship between different planets, you know, the astrological kind of factor of certain alignments create a certain kind of energetic condition that conduces to this kind of dimensional crosstalk, um, whatever, whatever it may be. But it seems like most of the most of those types of events are usually charged with a high level of emotion, at mm. least, um, you know, from what I've seen. So the emotional factor seems to be really important. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the article, there's uh, in this subject of, you know, overlapping timelines, going back to the beginning of the 1900s, there were two Oxford professors who had a very bizarre experience walking through, <clears throat> excuse me, walking through the garden at the Petit Trianon in Versailles. And um, basically what happened as they were walking along in 1901, the landscape around them, the scene that they were standing in, completely transformed into something different and it was the time period in which Marie Antoinette had lived and then they proceeded to to continue walking along and they were encountering characters from this parallel timeline something that we would say was from the past in the past but now exists in the same space so there's this there's this timeline crossover this nexus point where they're connecting and then the people from the two timelines are able to interact and they were able to actually interact with at least one of the people that they saw and he waved at them and they were like oh that guy just waved at us so it wasn't like it wasn't like just a haunting or like a or some kind of mechanical replay of an event or an unconscious thing it was actually like there was conscious participation from the other side as well so uh really interesting that's incredible. And and just even like thinking about that in terms of, you know, um, what must be happening in that moment that creates that sort of thinness between the two um, versions of, of whatever, you know, um, temporal perception we're having that we're able to cross through that and, and perceive each other within that space. It's really interesting. Yeah, we don't have any great explanations for that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fun to think about, but I, I haven't seen anybody give us a really fantastically, you know, succinct kind of like scientific model of here's exactly what's going on. But I, you know, I, I think it's probably fair to conceptualize it as two time streams or two time frames that then for some reason, somehow, according to the, the right energetic conditions of the day uh, and that moment, they just somehow managed to create a connection in that same space. So yes, uh, one day we'll have this stuff figured out, hopefully. That's awesome. So, you know, uh, they also had mentioned something about, you know, and, and you had touched on this earlier, the um, the depth of the emotion that, that the people are feeling during the time has an effect upon how heavy that imprint is within that space or, or um, how, how that come about, how that comes about, how that manifests within, um, within the imprint that you're seeing or the ability to um to send a thought from from one person to another like getting into your article on telepathy there seems to be a crossover there um so if you if you want to um you know speak to that and and talk about a little bit about the um the telepathy article as well yeah uh well yeah the emotional thing is important in most of the the psi research or um, parapsychological research that they've done and it's um it's really instrumental in, in, in terms of trying to get any kind of a result, generally speaking, um, you know, whether it's thought photography, you know, you can look at Ted Sirios, who was 
famous for being able to produce images in film, uh, mentally produce images on film that had not been exposed. Um, and that had to, to do that. He had to work himself into a state of virtual rage uh, in order to be able to summon the energy to do it. So, um, yeah, and then if you look at the telepathy stuff, it's a very similar thing. Um, there's a lot of just anecdotal reports even from from just normal people around the world who've had experiences where they were able to connect with somebody who they were, you know, meaningfully connected with already um, at a crucial moment or at some kind of significant moment because there was an emotional um, charge behind the other person's thought or their thought. And it was like that just forms the, it's like that makes the subconscious connection a conscious connection, if you like. So um, to do any of that kind of work, it, it's helpful to have a certain level of emotional content and interest and relevance. Otherwise, you know, if you, you might end up getting bored or what have you, and you know, the the parapsychology, uh, the early days of parapsychology, where uh, you know you had like JB Ryan doing his card tests, um, they found that there was a decline effect which was induced by boredom. So you know, you could take a psychic or highly intuitive person who'd get good results initially. But if you kept doing this, the card test over and over and over with them, they would start to get worse and worse results. And that was that effect in itself was replicated over and over and over again. And they realized that it's because you lose interest, you get bored, and then your psychic faculties, it's like, you know, they start going, well, this, yeah, I'm kind of over this. So why would I, why would I bother continuing? <laughs> you know, like there's other things that are more interesting now. So my attention is elsewhere. Yeah, so so boredom will affect it, and also um, arrogance will affect it. Like if you get cocky about um, having high accuracy, your accuracy will then diminish based upon like that cockiness, like thinking that that it's you that's doing it, and and having that as a part of your ego, which would make sense because you're you're disconnecting and and you're being within you know unto yourself as opposed to connecting to you know um, expanded consciousness at that point, which is where you know the information is ostensibly coming from so if, if you're within yourself and not you know connected to that information because you're you're um excluding yourself separately through your your thoughts about yourself it would make sense that your your accuracy your accuracy would diminish at that point yeah yeah you're right and i think um you know people had you know healers have had experiences with this kind of thing as well you know as soon as they get in the head about oh you know I, i'm i'm special i'm doing something amazing it's me um, they start to get diminishing returns. And, you know, I've, I've <laughs> met many people who have had the attitude of, well, you know, I'm just a conduit. Uh, it's it's not me responsible for this. So, you know, that's the way. And, you know, you'll, you'll hear that kind of sentiment expressed about this is the humbleness that you need to have and the view of it that you need to have in order for it to to continue to, to work. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that it's, um, it actually puts a, a neat kind of a stopgap in there so that, you know, people who are trying to manipulate it for personal gain in, in a, you know, really, um, in a really harsh way, um, would have some sort of barrier to being able to do that because they're not connecting with the all at that point. And they're not, you know, standing within their humility and knowing that the information and the abilities are coming from, from everyone and everything and their connection to that. So it kind of, you know, um, keeps people from um, from abusing that sort of power in that way because it, it stops them from from being able to um, perform to that degree, which is mm -hmm. kind of interesting. You know, when you think about it, it's like it puts in a, a level of disconnect because the person is disconnecting. Mm. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, it's interesting to see at the same time, sometimes, you know, you, you look at 
gray magic or, or black magic and and in spite of those people being you know operating out of that disconnected place and, that, and the ego they can still sometimes create results but generally speaking it's not a not a good attitude to have if you if you're trying to do anything you know psychic or, or to heal or whatever yeah you need to approach it more the way that you're describing not through that sort of uh, you know little island ego on an island kind of thing yeah, you know, even when, you know, when I'm doing my readings and, and I'm taking in this information and somebody tells me that it's accurate, you know, I take that as more of like a confirmation that I'm reporting the results in the right way, as opposed to, you know, that it's about me, you know, it's it's about, you know, my staying out of the way of it. So mm -hmm. that's confirmation to me that I've, uh, that I've remained out of the way and that I've reported that information accurately. And that, that always, you know, um, that always makes me feel like, you know, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my job correctly. Like, as opposed to like, wow, I'm awesome. You know, like, it, <laughs> it doesn't really strike me that way. It doesn't hit like in that direction, which is funny, you know, because when people do that, then, then, you know, obviously like it would, um, it would have an impact on it. It would diminish their abilities. It's like, okay, you know, you just, you just said, you know, how great you are at this, but you know, it's, it's trailing off because you're, you're behaving in such a way where you can't connect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we are hundred percent. So, um, so further into your your article on telepathy, you know, what was the the backstory behind the um, behind the experiments that were that were being done on you know the the part of the mind that that was um, responsible for that and and how they were they were measuring those abilities. Um, so a little bit of the backstory was basically it was an experiment done. Uh, ooh, the dates are escaping me now, but early 1900s to mid 1900s let me see if i can find it okay 1942 the book was published so this was this involved sir hubert wilkins who was a very well-known aviator at the time he was quite famous and also a, fairly, a reasonably famous psychic by the name of harold sherman um who was a very talented psychic and he was uh he was involved he actually lived until 1987 uh so almost 30 years longer than hubert wilkins did um and he was involved in some interesting research he did some remote viewing stuff uh, uh, viewing uh, Jupiter or other planets in the solar system and getting some very interesting results. So basically, they ran this experiment from... <laughs> take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> Something I forget to do sometimes. Um, yeah, they, uh, they did this experiment from late 1937 through to uh, early 1938. So it was around about, I think, roughly five months they were doing this. And, and Hubert Wilkins was flying around the, the Arctic and what Sherman was doing, he was staying put back home in the US and he was trying to send, um, sorry, Wilkins was trying to send his impressions of his journey as he was going along to Sherman, who would try to tune in intuitively and receive those impressions. Um, and basically, long story short, what they achieved was pretty spectacular. I mean, I mean, the detail that Sherman came up with in his intuitive downloads was phenomenal. And you, if you look at it, um, and the article contains some of that information, you can't deny that what they did was essentially one of the earliest and most groundbreaking telepathy experiments that's been done, at least, yeah, in the modern era. So he was he was in one spot while while the other was traveling around and, and he was picking up information about the travels of the other one and and writing that down and, and cataloging that so that they could compare and contrast when he returned. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. And um, so he was flying around the Arctic region looking for he was trying to help with the search for a missing Russian aircraft. 
Um, and so basically Sherman just tuned in at, at certain intervals, random times, and just tried to pick up what he could from, from Wilkins. Wilkins was supposed to uh, sort of schedule time to send impressions to, to Sherman, but he, he really didn't manage to do a lot of that. Um, so yeah, it didn't really have any effect. The, uh, the experiment was a spectacular success. Um, what Sherman did on his end was consistent. He tuned in at the same time each night trying to pick up information, um, but he never had any data about what Wilkins was doing on his end. They weren't in contact at all. So when you realize that, the results are even more astonishing. They had no contact. Like Sherman didn't even have any level of feedback on was that last report accurate or not accurate. He had nothing so he just had to keep, keep plowing ahead and he kept getting phenomenal hits. I'll see if I can just find one specific quote for you here. Maybe I've got a good one here. Um, okay, so here's one for February 14th. Sherman wrote in his journal, he goes, impression, you talk three times before different interested groups since arrival at Edmonton, first time before some luncheon club, like a rotary club. You have found a motor. You plan to take off with it tomorrow or Wednesday if weather permits. You have dinner with three men and their wives. One of Edmonton's wealthiest and most prominent men has entertained you and given you some assistance relative to the expedition. The word Mackenzie flashes to my mind. Is there a company of that name supplying you with a plane? And then he adds, I seem to see you as a guest of Church Brotherhood. Sunday occasion, you were called on to speak. You have an appointment with two men who will take you to some plant or place where you will see the packing of the equipment. Now, that's fairly specific information. Very specific. <laughs> And Wilkins confirmed all of it, 100% of it. So he wow. nailed it. Wow, wow. So, so everything that he he had done and and in the in that correct order. That's amazing. That's yeah. the, those are some really solid hits. They're very specific. Like usually, um, when you're looking, you'll just kind of get impressions of things, and and you're you know you're writing down, trying to like remove yourself from the um from even the way that you're describing something because you know like even if you if you say something's water and it's not and it ends up being something toxic somebody could end up you know using your intel to to jump into water that's not water and, and get hurt right so mm -hmm. you want to just say like a liquid as opposed to you know but that's so specific what he was coming up with wow Completely, that's amazing yeah. yeah so he was he was phenomenal he's a very very talented dude um and mckenzie thing was the name of uh the company was called mckenzie airways and they were furnishing the plane that was going to fly the new engine that he mentioned back to back to the location so yeah on and on it just went on and on he was he was a very talented dude that's amazing so you know um bringing back that information you know what did they um what was the next thing that they did with that? You know, did they um, did they take that and, and move forward into another direction to uh, to kind of look at, you know, um, what parts of the brain this is happening in and, and you know, how to um, how to measure that kind of activity? I mean, these guys in, in this experiment, uh, the people involved with this didn't they didn't sort of pursue that that side of it. Um, it was strictly about the, the data as to whether Sherman was getting hits or not. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that experiment, that's basically the, in a nutshell, what, what they were doing. Very cool. So tell us a bit about, um, about Truthiversity. Um, tell us what subjects you're exploring and, and, and how this came about and, and the community that you've built around this. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, this was, uh, it's been a, an idea that's been percolating for Amy and I for uh, years. I'd say going back to 2014, probably. Um, and initially, you know, Amy and I were running something called Global Freedom Movement, and we had a podcast called GFM Media, 
And so we were going to call this thing the Global Freedom University. And uh, basically, that, this is what it is. It's just called the Truth Diversity. Um, and so, you know, we started out with, with uh, you know, our interests. And we were very, very much a kind of an activist um, platform back in the Global Freedom days. But, you know, this is really about where I... I I want to give people the information I feel like they need to have that's that's useful for you know navigating the world. But at the same time, um, I am I'm a perspective builder, and one of my jobs is to build a perspective view on on certain things like big picture, nature of reality, consciousness, and and you know things that shoot off from that. And and then you know say okay, so this is this is where I'm at. Like give people a chance to kind of come with me on that journey. And, and move forward while we're also covering the you know some of the conspiracy angles and and I'm very you know I'm very much a, a history buff as well so I want to get into the suppressed history and what's going on with all of that and religion and mythology and you know I'm very psychologically oriented so anything to do with the psyche along the lines of archetypes religion mythology um, the paranormal you know the psychic stuff all of it um, and the physics that relates and connects into all of this stuff so we have basically at the moment nine faculties, if you like. We call them faculties where, you know, they, they're the primary sort of topics. And and um, that's what we're sort of, you know, I'm, I'm looking to flesh those out over the, the next, um, you know, the coming, the coming months and years. And, you know, multimedia, media, I want it to be interesting. So it's not strictly uh, articles and writing. It's also all of the podcasts. Um, you know, I, don't, I stopped publishing my podcasts in, in their entirety in the public realm. So the first half goes out publicly. The second half goes into the truth adversity. Um, and then, you know, my, just my research and I, I, I like to vet information. And then if, if I feel like it's useful to people and accurate and powerful and moves, moves things forward and moves the discussion forward and the paradigm forward, cause I'm, I'm a very kind of forward, you know, I want to take people into the next paradigm, not keep playing in the ones that we've got. So, you know, I use other people's material as well, where I, where I feel like it's a good fit and, and helps out. Okay. So, um, talk a bit about um the community that you're building around that and the the infrastructure for for study as you've uh as you've envisioned it and as it's you know progressed over time i guess like community wise is basically anyone who is interested in those types of things so that's <laughs> that's that's the the community aspect of it is is just you know come along for the ride you know anyone who's like-minded and interested in these things is going to find value there um, it's not necessarily at this point in time. Um, one thing I'm, I'm going to actually start doing is I'm going to start doing my podcasts live inside the Truthversity container so the members get to see it actually happen. Um, and then the recording will go out, you know, after it's edited and whatever. Um, so that's one that's one way, you know, sort of bring the community aspect into it a bit. Um, but yeah, it was my focus. My intention wasn't so much on um, community as as creating an educational sort of a portal and you know I, I like to think hopefully in the future we can start turning the the material into maybe like a homeschooling curriculum um you know i had one of my friends tell me that she thought i should do that uh, and she'd be interested in it so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so i mean there's there's a lot of possibilities with that kind of thing as well i just you know it's just a matter of time and, and building it out and getting some help as well along the way so um, what are some of the topics that you're covering and, and some of the, uh, the methodology behind, um, behind what people encounter once they, um, once they sign up and, and start interacting with the material? Uh, basically, the, co the, the topics are more or less, oh, lost my, my tabs, there they are, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I was going to just open up the page so I could rattle them off quickly. Um, <clears throat> and I will do that. Here we go. 
So yeah, as I said, very, very heavily, I'm very psychologically, spiritually oriented. So that's where I like to um, spend a lot of time. Uh, so we have, at the moment, as they exist at this moment, the faculties are called metaphysics, cosmology, mythology, medicine, ancient history, psychology, new world order. Got to have that in there. Um, the Truth of Earth podcasts make up one faculty. The GFM media podcasts make up a separate one. I also have a logic one and a law one. And then there's a quick bite section, which is sort of more, you know, little quick little bites to just take off of whatever whatever happens to be, you know, of interest at that moment. Um, so it, there is a little bit of structure to it as far as the way that it, things are organized and uh, not necessarily, I don't necessarily work in a, in a, I'm not a methodical person by nature, so I'm not like um, highly structured naturally. So what I'll do is I'll just add a module of, uh, on a subject that I'm interested in at that moment that I want to, that I want to look at and just put that in there. And maybe we have like a, maybe there's a video, maybe there's an article, maybe there's an audio file or whatever. Um, it just depends. So it varies. And I just try to, what I want to do is just build, build, a, give people a solid foundation, but not be stuck at a, an entry level, um, which I think a lot of what's out there is more or less entry level. So what I want to do is give people you know, like a higher level of insight into things. And that means, also that you've got to connect the dots between different different disciplines. Um, so I'm a very, you know, inter interdisciplinary kind of guy. Uh, you know, I'm a generalist kind of guy. I'm not a, I don't have that sort of very narrow blinkered kind of hyper-focused mindset. So that I think helps to, to build perspective and give people an integrated perspective that is not readily available in other places. To hear part two of this interview, please subscribe at starfirecodes.com.